0: Also, in June, on the 8th and 9th, is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life for my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week, and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Welcome back to the Recovery Soul podcast. I thank you for choosing to spend your time with me here today. As promised, I have a special guest for this episode. I'm sitting here with my sweet and wonderful husband, Rich.
1: Hi. Is this my third time?
0: I don't know. Might be the fourth time that we've been on the podcast. Four. You're my muse. So I'm just glad that you're here. What were you going to say?
1: The new and unimproved <laughs> version of myself. <laughs>
0: I was just going to say that if you have been listening to the last couple podcasts or follow me on social media, you know that last week, a week ago, it's been, no, it's been two weeks, two Two weeks ago, tomorrow, Rich had a really pretty catastrophic accident. You want to tell people what that was, Rich?
1: I chopped the tip of my finger off. And it was not from a table saw or any sort of slip of a tool, which is kind of funny that I don't I don't want anybody to think that I'm not a master of tools. Turns out a stone, after twenty-six years of stone being a stonemason, a stone cut my fingertip off.
0: I was sitting here in the studio about to have a session with one of my clients and Rich gave me a call, which is not a great call to get, where he just said Rach, something's happened and I need you to come immediately and come get me. I chopped my finger off. Yeah,
1: this time I I, I said, I've cut my finger off, come immediately.
0: (laughs) And so I did. I called my client and said, I'm going to have to postpone and drove. And sure enough, Richard actually had a very severe injury and we went straight to the emergency room and... Everybody says, did they sew it back on? It was too damaged to do that. And our understanding is they don't really do that.
1: No, I think they do. The um, intake nurse, I think, was doling out very generic information to me, which turned out to not be all that accurate. Uh, One funny thing, even today, one of my uh, workers who works on my crew, and my crew has become so important to me now that I can keep working and just direct said, Oh my God, I would have passed out, you know? And, and I don't know what it was. I I think it's that I've been a veteran of, of injury for a long, 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 long time. I was getting into pretty serious accidents at seven and eight years old. And I've had stitches too many times to count. And my parents put an insurance card in my pocket when I was ten years old, just in case it, you know, would happen again, which they expected. And I would ride the, the emergency truck down to the ER all by myself, which then ended up happening. You, you
0: would drive the ambulance by yourself. Yep, the- it
1: happened. It actually happened. And when I got to the ER in Santa Monica, California, in Dogtown, California, they knew me by name. That was the great story of in my youth. So. I'm a veteran of injury. And then, you know, in my thirties, I blew out my ACL and only a year or so ago, I blew up in my hand and, and, but this was something different.
0: This was, something this was, different.
1: this was on another level. Yeah. But all that was to say that little piece of background there was to say that when I got to the intake nurse at the hospital and I sat down and I had my hand kind of wrapped up with ice with the fingertip literally, you know, severed off to the side. She goes, wow, you are surprisingly calm.
0: <laughs> you were surprisingly calm.
1: Yeah. I was, I was pretty stoked about it until the first night and the second day and night and the third and the, on the fourth night I took a pretty serious walk with Jesus and had a pretty serious breakdown.
0: Yeah. And you're getting emotional just thinking about it. I describe Richard as a superhero to me this is one of the things that appealed to me when we were first dating is he's this tall blonde drink of water and was able to do anything and excelled at every sport and every activity that he ever did and became a craftsman and can build and do anything. One of our stories is we were going to go up camping at the house that he built for my mom in the mountains. And we all showed up early and we show up and open the door, and there's a rattlesnake literally right by her cabin, and we have dogs and kids, and, there and four was...
1: grown men that wouldn't wouldn't do anything.
0: Yeah, and all everybody, including these grown men, stood around and said, "When does Rich show up?" And so we <laughs> kept the snake at least at bay so it wouldn't go away until Rich could show up and save the day and take care of the snake for us.
1: I always admired maybe I I always admired my elders that just seemed to have the universe under their control somehow or just had things figured out, you know, and I looked up to a lot of people when I was younger and I was shy and I was naive and I've come a long way in this life, I think. And I just, I aspired to that. And it's, it's nice to know that I've achieved that sort of a, <laughs> sort of a reputation
0: however you know. if that's fascinating rich that you just said that that they had everything under control and here we are in soul recovery which is about not being in control
1: right well I said I was young I thought they were you know I, I actually thought there was a magic right way to do things mm. I remember when I was young it was like well what's the right way to do this you know and, and it turns out after all these years and all this life experience that there's many ways to do it it's in the, the realm of not perfect control that you find the creative approaches right and and the calm approaches and the whatever you know i mean that's i think that's where the magic is
0: yeah that's what we've learned in this soul recovery journey that we're on so we go to the emergency room they luckily have a hand surgeon that was on his way anyway he said oh, he would have come
1: may I add yeah add some detail yeah. this is important cuz um so back to the intake nurse. One of the sort of not great pieces of information she told me was she's like, "Well, probably not going to sew that back on," which came true. And she said, "Oh, geez, it's it's good thing you're not here really later on a weekend because the last guy that had a you know a hand sever incident, whatever, had to go home all night." And I'm like, "Don't tell me that, you know that that was like a concern right off the bat. Like, oh, I cannot sit with this overnight, you know."
0: Not with your finger oh.
1: hanging off. So so she goes, Okay, go over there and, and sit down. And I'm like, oh God, here we go. Here comes the weight, you know. And but then it it things turned for the better. I got very lucky and I'm so glad and blessed, you know, at this point looking back that sat down for about 30 minutes, 20 minutes, not even, yeah, but twenty minutes. I was tripping out because I'd left my phone somewhere completely unknown, sent you to go back and get it mm-hmm. because I knew I would just sit there and wait. And that was okay. And I get into the the room, you know, pretty standard room and they take a x-ray and a photo of my hand, um, you know, with the tip off to the side, it was pretty gruesome. I couldn't even look at it, um, at first and, um, send it up to this hand surgeon and this really nice nurse comes in she goes like, okay, I think you're going to get one of our great greatest hand surgeons. He's awesome. We're sending him a picture. She goes away. She comes back. She goes, well, she's like, it's your lucky day. It's like, he said, he's, he's on his way. So they basically sent this up to the guy. He goes, I'll be right there. Comes straight down from Longmont, about a half an hour away and comes in the room. I can tell he's, he's the man. He knows what he's doing. And he just took control right there on the spot. And he, he did everything he would have done had I gone under and into an operating room. He did it right there on the spot.
0: Yeah, he was prepped for OR when he came it in. It was really, really, it
1: was really amazing. And what he said to me was, he was supposed to be there in like an hour. He, he jumped on it and did me in the hour before he was supposed to be there, anyways. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a blessing.
0: Which, if you think about looking at spirituality, that this is a spiritual path that you can look at that and just see how everything lined up. Mm -hmm. that this happened and one of the awarenesses that we have is that it took his middle finger and not his index finger it only took part of a finger it didn't take five fingers and that he was within five minutes of one of the top-notch hospitals that immediately he had a hand surgeon who was able to perform the surgery on his hand and even though all of that is true it's still a pretty profound experience to have and one of the things that we were talking about that I wanted to be sure to bring up is before this happened, I would say that rich had been in kind of a mildly agitated state, Mm -hmm. kind of in general. You want to talk a little bit about that?
1: I was coming to you with it. You know, uh, let me remind your listeners who also probably adore you. Some of them, how much I adore this woman, this wife of mine, she's amazing. And we're empty nesters. Now the kids are in Sacramento and, you know, we're getting in our fifties and we've got these little careers of ours. And so things are kind of steady and nicely steady and kind of quiet and kind of great. And then I find myself in this, in this mild agitation when I'm also saying to myself, dude, there's like not a thing out of place in your life right now, you know, prior to this. And I imagine there's, people can relate to that. It just, it was a mild agitation. It was like, I'm getting to this later point in my career where I was already slowing down. Like last year and the year before that, I was having some back issues and I was kind of invincible for a lot of years and I wanted it so bad. It was like, I was so happy when I was just out in the dirt with rocks and, and whatever building materials and making stuff. And it, it just lasted a long, long time. But in the last five or five or so years, even though the business has been fantastic, I have just felt the mid fifties kicking in pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. And it has affected my just that spark in the morning um, and the, the drive and the ability to come home after building for everybody else out there and cleaning up their jobs. So it looks decent to my clients so I can come back and keep going. I come home and I can't I can't get myself to clean anything up or finish (laughs) anything around here anymore. You know, I don't have the come home and keep going anymore. And it's always been hard for me to keep a crew. It's always been whatever's gonna happen with me in, in my wonderful career that I've had, which is just amazing. I gotta get up and make it happen every single day. Yeah. And it was just catching up to me some. And, you know, the energy, when you get to your fifties, your energy is like halved. It feels like it's cut in half and therefore the motivation. And so at the same time, I'm like, the work has been great for many, many, many years. Like I actually got rid of the paranoia of going into the winter. I was steering my, my customers and clients into doing projects in the winter. And we've just had a really great run for quite a long time. So I'm also questioning, I'm like, what's wrong with you? You know, nothing's out of place here. You're so blessed. And I came to you and I said, I'm this and I'm that. I'm like two sides of the coin. And and I'm like, I'm confused. It's like I'm right on the edge of the coin. So, yeah. And, And there was this project that was happening right before the accident that was for somebody I knew and somebody that was in a hurry and was very excited and... Had a great project on a great site. It was as good as the one that I now have that was like the blessing that came after. And it was just an exciting thing to do. And, and in my career, I don't advertise. It's all word of mouth. It's one of the right projects the, that have the nectar and the juiciness. And I, it was boosting. It was taking me out of the resistance a little bit and the ho the home giving me something fresh and exciting to do. But it, it didn't flow. And it was for somebody I knew. So you kind of make the assumption oh, this is going to be great because he's a friend. He trusts me. So I just get to take control and just jam.
0: Oh, control. Control. Interesting. Yeah. And expectation. Those are our yes. two danger words. I
1: was about to say because I was going to be a hero and I was going to try to build a whole lot for very little because that's what my friend needed and wanted. And and I was like, I can do this. I can, I can show off and show how much skill I've developed over all these years and, and be the hero. And oof, it,
0: it was not going well.
1: It wasn't going well. I'll let you talk about whatever you said earlier about knowing when to stop. Yeah.
0: yeah. So one of the things that was happening, so this is prior to it and Rich is really, he's really having a hard time with us. And we were having a lot of coaching sessions actually of mm-hmm. dealing with this struggle. I was coming
1: home I was coming home beyond frustrated, kind of almost irate like every other night.
0: And so we were having these conversations about what is that about? And and in the end what it really came down to was control. It was expectation and a desire for it to be a certain way and the awareness that these expectations weren't being met on either side. I think they had expectations of what they thought Rich was going to be. He had expectations of what they were going to be. And what I love is that one of Rich's major teachers that he talks about is Eckhart Tolle. And the power of now is something that you put in your ears on a regular basis to remind you. you
1: in when brain now.
0: When you need a reset, you put in Eckhart Tolle. So one of the things that Eckhart Tolle says is
1: you only have three options and I wanted to add into the, um, the detail of, of this situation is I was, I was trying to coach my pe- my people on this job and give, giving them the options and it, coming into it. I basically said, if we're going to do this at this price and get all this done, I need you to make, I need you to commit. I used this big word with them. I said, I need you to commit. And what that means is I'm going to put the options in front of you. I'm going to, to put stuff in front of you and just try to make a deliberate, make deliberate decisions, make them, make solid ones that you can commit to and boom. And then we move on. Right. So I get all, get all attached to that. And that's the control. Oh, right.
0: Another word I attached just, and control okay. commit.
1: I think I'm doing a good job. I'm pretty sure I was, I was, and they were making choices, but there were, I won't go deep into it. So can there, was, I, there can, was bad. Go ahead.
0: Can I interrupt you? Yeah. Because this is actually a great example of how you are still defending mm-hmm. the situation. Yeah. And you are finding justification, which is what we were coaching on, because the truth is in reality, none of that matters. True. None of that matters. And that when you are using soul recovery and you're turning the attention to yourself, and we stop trying to get justification for what the other people are doing and why it's pissing us You're off. You're right. I was
1: about to say it. I was trying to fill in some detail. And right. you, you nailed me. So you asked me the three things that uh, comes from Eckhart. It's you can accept it. You can change it or you can leave it. That covers just about every option you have. right?
0: <laughs> and, and when they say change it, what it means, it's similar to the serenity prayer. It really means change you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You
0: can accept it for exactly what it is. You can change your perception, your awareness, how you're dealing with it, or you can let it go. And so just prior to this experience, which was really his, his heart was really broken over this. And the clarity came that this was a leave it situation,
1: not only to benefit them, but my it was a win-win to leave it. And Luckily, after all my years, because construction can be very tricky in the, in all these ways, I had modified my, my contract to be an agreement that is a non-binding contract that allows this kind of thing to happen. I had finally sat down and actually written it that we will have these project goals and we'll go along and... If it's looking right and everything's cool and everybody's on the same page, we more money gets put into the budget and we keep going. If not, it's perfectly okay for either party to step out.
0: And one of the reasons why that has been something that you've put in is because after all these years, Rich has had clarity that it doesn't work with everybody all the time. And so we do this thing where we're like, we made our bed, we're going to lay in it. Like I set up this project. I'm damn well going to be in it. You know, right. if I'm pissed off for the next month and we're all pissed at each other. And so I think the way that you set that up and has worked really well for you. 90% of the time is that it's a handshake and a respect.
1: And I call it fair trade and on, it's, on
0: both sides. right?
1: And it's totally uh, transparent and everything's there for everybody to review. Because in,
0: because in soul recovery, what we're saying is take responsibility for yourself, be clear about what you need, be clear about your intentions don't allow people to walk all over you don't walk all over everybody else and so he had just had this very emotional situation where he let this particular project go for the benefit of everyone and then this situation happens right so we've talked about how that happened and so tell me a little you bit mean rich the accident, the accident right <laughs> yeah. the accident the cutting off of the finger yeah. so tell me a little bit about your initial feelings the reason to talk about this is you were already really raw. That I wonder this if experience had really opened you up into uh, a raw space, an uncontrolled, non
1: control space. Do you mean the, the project that went bad or the actual moment of the accident?
0: The project that went bad had you okay. in a raw and open space and then you cut your finger off.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it also kind of blends together. I want to describe a moment where maybe this will describe the moment of... Where I just I just let go and went vulnerable, which is <laughs> that I'm at the site where the accident happened, and it is a site that I've done tons of work over many 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 years, so it's it's a pretty comfortable place for me. One little stone ends up cutting my finger off I mean that right there at that site is just a little weird to me. What I was trying to get at is um the accident happens, and It was. It it happened so fast that there wasn't any pain. It was. It was pure trauma. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was like being knocked out. And while I'm knocked out, maybe my brain switched, or you get this, you know, this review. And it just seemed like, I'll just jump to what I've said to people. It seemed like for some reason it was supposed to happen. It was like in my timeline.
0: Mm, Chokes you up to think about it.
1: Because I immediately, well, it hit me first of all, and I grabbed my hand. I didn't even know what happened. Mm -hmm. It wasn't pain. It was trauma. And I said, no, 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 no. You know, I just remember that very clearly and and then opening and looking. Mm -hmm. And when you look down and your finger's gone, I just knew there was no turning back immediately. And...
0: It's one of those I, moments from here on, everything's different.
1: So there you go. To answer your question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was had to, having this, having a great career, a huge string. It had to be eight excellent years of work. Just came off one of those projects that was really challenging and bang. And I just, just knew everything was going to change.
0: Yeah. I remember when we were in the emergency room that his first concern and thought was about the bands cuz he's in three bands now drumming and they have shows booked every single weekend and he had a, one or two shows just that single weekend and um let me
1: finish my story though mm-hmm. before i lose the audience mm-hmm. um so it hits me but i immediately go into okay i'm injured what do i do and the funny thing is I've been injured a lot i didn't have i didn't know what to do i didn't because It was pretty traumatic. I've actually, it's played over in my mind a couple of times, which is really weird. It's kind of PTSD-ish. But so I, I I don't know. For a moment, I was completely confused, didn't know what to do. And then I just ran. That's probably when I set my phone on the tire of my truck, which is where Rachel went back and found it. I run upstairs and I go directly to um, my client's office because I know right where he is and I run in there and he's not there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm on my way back down through the elevators, through the building. And I call him and I say, I'm in trouble. Meet you at the office. We meet in the office. We get some ice on it. We walk back down because he thinks he's going to take me to the emergency room. And there's this point when we stop, this is what I'm trying to say. And I looked up and what I had already described about everything's gonna, everything's different now. I looked him in the eye and I said, I've lost my touch. I was almost like,
0: mm.
1: <laughs> I'd almost given up right there. And just in that moment, looked at somebody that I knew and said, I guess I'm done. Yeah. But the cool part is, I'm not, right? <laughs> you know, I'm just.
0: What I was just living it, yeah, and what I was saying about the bands goes with that, which is initially your first thought was really about your extracurricular stuff, yeah, you know, that you have all these obligations, you have this whole extracurricular life that you've built for yourself. And one of the things we were talking about before we started recording was the awareness that you had about that you had built up so much of an extracurricular life that you almost had resistance and resentment towards the work.
1: Yeah, so I so the accident happens and I grab my hand and when I said those no 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 no's, it was pure drumming in my mind. It was the first thing that came in. Right. And I think that I've been having so much fulfillment from the drumming and it takes a lot of work driving across town to practice getting nervous when you're coming into a show, doing extra practice, you get on stage, you're taking deep breaths in, you're saying prayers. Oh my God, let me have a good set, you know? And I'm doing that in three, four, five different projects over the past six months. So I think that was kind of retroactively taking some of my good attention away from my, my work which and,
0: rolls to the agitation.
1: Yeah. Which ties into what we've started. Right. With. So instead of all of it being all good and flowing, I was prioritizing the fun and having a little more resistance with the work because it became the work became more things I had to do and tasks. And, and the, the drumming was something I wanted to do, but was still a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It was like I added a whole nother job. And I got to the point where there was too many band projects going on. And I I realized I was, I had hit that ceiling. And I had just went to one of the projects and said, I I have to bow out. And I was, so I was just starting to adjust into something that was going to be more manageable right before the accident Mm -hmm. too. So I guess there was a lot of things converging on this and there you go. I mean, that's what makes that moment just kind of interesting. And what has happened to me, it makes it very
0: interesting. Well, the first night, one of the things that we were really, Concerned about was we weren't sure if he was going to be able to work anytime soon. If you follow us on social media, you saw the GoFundMe that we posted because we have insurance, but it's major medical, so eight thousand eight thousand dollar deductible, and hooked up the GoFundMe. I sent it out, and immediately people started flowing through with donations. And tell a little bit about how that felt to have that support.
1: <sighs> it was amazing. Um... I asked Rachel, I said, I was like, go fund me question mark. It's like, should, should we do this? I mean, I just, it's hard to ask. I wasn't it's sure. It's hard
0: to ask for help. Yeah. And you're pretty, you're and pretty you feel like You're asking for
1: charity and all this. And, but then when she said, well, we have an $8,000 deductible. I was like, well, that's reasonable. <laughs> Let's set a goal, of eight grand and put it out there. And I'll tell you something. Uh, this new community of musicians that I'm a part of. It just, it's meant so much to me. I've I've poured 101% of myself into every, each and every band and, and just been loving it, even though it was a lot of work, ton of work. And that community meant so much to me. And that community immediately was, everybody was calling me and Facebooking me. And because the only reason I even started really being a Facebooker in the, was only in the past two years because of bands and music. That's where it all happens. So you kind of have to. Prior to that, I was Mr. Anti-Facebook. Just everybody came out of the woodwork. And of course they were all stunned because I was, I was really having a a, a run, you know, Mm -hmm. I had become a a good drummer and was in all these good bands and, you know, it's a, it's a rock and roll story. Like the the Def Leppard drummer, you know, (laughs) losing his arm.
0: So you got support. You got a lot of support from them that called. And then we had people that just little $20 to larger donations. People just flooded in. This incredible. If I I could back up
1: a moment, we may have already said this, but losing a piece of your body is its next level.
0: It is next level. Even though your recovery is, we know that you're going to be okay. The classic we are going to be okay.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a big deal. I mean,
1: I can't sign my I can't sign my name the same way anymore. I'll never sign my name the same way anymore. It looks like I've got epilepsy or something now (laughs) when I sign my name. Cause of that middle finger and I can't type the same. And so those two things, and not that I'm complaining. I just, I just, it needs to be said that I'm a veteran of injury, but this is something entirely new and different.
0: It gives you so much perspective of people who um, lose so much. Oh my gosh. I can't even
1: imagine. I can't imagine a hand or an arm or a foot or a leg. It's just extraordinary. I'm two weeks in and the end of my finger is absolutely still, still so disgusting. It's, <laughs> it's made, but it is healing, but yes. So the support flooded in and it was like, I was, I was so, I guess we're jumping to the point. Cause it just, it's hitting my heart and my mind that all of a sudden I was so grateful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of emotion in that. 'Cause something that seemed so intense and you were filled with so much gratitude.
1: But it was it's not just for the people supporting me. It was gratitude for my finger. All the years that the tip served me. Mm-hmm. And it was gratitude for all I had done up to that point. Mm-hmm so it was a it was a bona fide inflection point in my life there was going to be when I had a whole hand and, and now that I have a funny hand you know before and after after I got past that fourth night when you were gone, and it was interesting, Rachel had had a trip planned to go down and be with her father for Father's Day, almost a week. And she had it planned for a long time. And uh, you left on like the second day, right? I mean, it was... It,
0: like, I left on uh, Friday. Friday, and it happened on day. Tuesday. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
1: So about the third day, Rachel takes off. Maybe that's why I had the gnarly night on the fourth night. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is because I was just alone. And I was just alone with it. And the situation. So I I knew that I was just going to be sitting around and it was going to be hard. And I didn't want to get into a little bit of self-pity when you have a great wife that will nurse you, you're going to get a little pitiful and bitch and moan. (laughs) So we said, yeah, go on your trip. She stuck around an extra day to go to the hand surgeon with me after he patched me up the first time I had a Thursday appointment or something, right?
0: Friday morning. Friday morning.
1: So, okay. So it must've been Friday night. It was my hard night. So we go to the surgeon on Friday morning. He says, things are good. Rachel takes off. And that night, I just, it's hard to describe. I, I had, a, I, I walked through the valley of the shadow of holy shit
0: mm-hmm.
1: on that night. And, uh, I, it's just, I, I guess I'm rambling a little bit, but it, my, my fingertips gone and, and it's just scary and it's it's wacky. I'm definitely way better now. I'm coming to terms with it. But those first those first days were psychologically very challenging. Yeah. So where were we?
0: <laughs> one of the realities, the truth of allowing yourself to go through it and one of the things that you said in those first days before I had left is how grateful you were, that you were so spiritually fit, you know, even though you had this awareness that you'd been a little cranky and a little in control, but that almost immediately, even though you knew that you were going to go through all of this intensity and all these emotions that you, you knew that your spiritual path was going to hold you.
1: I knew I would come out the other side. I had said, thank God that you, you and I both were, Spiritually practiced mm-hmm. up to that point to uh, to deal, you know, not to be like, oh, look at Mister Guru dealing with it so perfectly, but just the spiritual practice allows you to go into the forest and into the dark right. darkness and experience it yeah. and know you're going to be okay and know you're going to come out the other side. Right. And I and I, I I think I had that from the moment it happened somehow.
0: trust and faith even though it's really really intense yeah and one of the things that i wanted to have you share is just the the gratitude and, and awareness that you have of of your life sometimes we need something to happen unfortunately to really appreciate who you are what your life is like i mean the other day you said all the things I was bitching and complaining about having to do, I wish I had my fingers so that I could hurry up and do all these things.
1: Exactly. That's why they say live every day. Like it's your last. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, it's exactly what has happened. It's like, sometimes it just takes something, bam, and you start to take for granted and you really don't know what you've got until it's gone. You know, there's songs Mm -hmm. written about this and that's sort of it. But like I said, it's like, I'm, it made me glad for everything I did up to this point with the fingertip. And I'm grateful that it wasn't worse. And, and it, yes, uh, on a broader level it, well, and literally it slowed me down, you know, it's just, okay, now you're not going to be practicing two or three bands every week and, and running jobs and running a crew and trying to be a good husband and la, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, you get forced to slow down, mm-hmm. um, and get cared for and, and self-care. So when you went away, I was forced into being really with it, really, really with it, with my hand and the finger itself. Like the day I hadn't changed the dressing myself until like the more, like the morning of Saturday. I think, I think you left Friday. I think I left the wraps on the doctors had done and then it was after my hard night, and the next morning on Saturday morning, that I had to <laughs> unwrap that thing and actually really look at it and really dress it myself for the first time. And it was, it was an excellent process of acceptance and self care. Mm-hmm. And then I got to really, really slow down and think about carrying on, but at, at a fraction of the pace. Right. And it was good for me. Yeah. It was just good for me.
0: One of the things that you that you said that I wanted to be sure that came across was the awareness that some of that edginess that you had beforehand was the realization that you had gotten too caught up in your extracurricular life and had lost vision of the importance of your home life and your work life.
1: I had said that it it became more tasky and uh, resisting it. Yeah, it was annoying Mm -hmm. (laughs) whereas immediately after the accident or you know a couple days in you're like you just of course you appreciate it and you can say thank you for this fabulous life but you feel it when something major happens you feel it as a matter of fact that brings something up uh my other favorite book the war of art there's a little section in there where um stephen pressfield talks about people who find out they have like terminal cancer Mm -hmm. and Everything shifts. Right. Like they quit their shitty job. They do things they've been dreaming about their whole life. They turn to service and they turn to their family and just everything just, you know, because you're like, you're going to die. And sometimes those people um, end up healing themselves Mm. with all that positive energy. Right. He had, you know, documented stories of this. This is a tiny version of that, you know, and even, even our son, Bodhi, who's been on episodes recently, I, he said the wackiest thing ever to me. He's in this spiritual journey of wanting to experience discomfort so that he doesn't get just all caught up in the control and everything being perfect. And he goes, well, dad, I'm ad living here, uh, paraphrasing, but he's like, well, sure. Do you envy what just happened to you? You know, something like I wish that would happen to me so I could experience it. He said something wacky like that. I'm like, no, 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 dude. <laughs> but
0: uh, but you're in discomfort.
1: He knows he's really spiritual and he knows that this has changed my perspective mm-hmm. for the better. Right. Somehow he knows that. So that was really interesting.
0: Yeah. As we wrap up, one of the things that's so fascinating is you had this massive surrender experience of allowing all your feelings allowing the fear but not falling into fear and this incredible awareness of faith and gratitude and letting go of a job that you know you were feeling really concerned financially about trying to hold on to that job and deciding for everyone's mental health and well-being you were going to practice your spirituality and let it go and then right after the accident happened or within a Right around that same time, another project a
1: mir- appeared. Let's call it a miracle. A
0: miracle appeared of a project that's even closer to home. That's and that's so much better, so much more aligned with who you are and how you work and how they work. And it's a it's a testament to the power of source and that when we're in resistance, we're agitated. When we're trying to control it, we're agitated. And that it doesn't mean that we let go of, of our internal control. It doesn't mean that we let go of the universe and just say, you know, fuck it, whatever, you know, happens. But yes, I curse sometimes <sighs> on the show. He's just cursed. Oh my goodness. But that this beautiful unfolding is happening and your heart is open and it's a huge deal. And, and it's been so good.
1: That was an extension of the GoFundMe. It was, it was like. I felt like all the people who were telling me in in the GoFundMe, the little notes saying, you're in my prayers, you're in my prayers, you're in my prayers. To me, it's not just the job and grasping the the paycheck from the job. It's like, I I get so deeply uh, grateful when the right projects come. And it just, it felt like a part of all of the prayer and support. It just felt that way.
0: And I think you're going into it with an entirely different attitude than you'd had over your last jobs anyway. Yeah. And appreciation and value and all of that. Yeah, And you'll be able to drum again, you know, it's going to be longer than we initially hoped, but it's, it's going to be okay. And I think the allowing that you the letting go of control that you have shown in this experience, and that has been part of your soul recovery journey in the last four years that we've been alcohol free, or you've been mostly alcohol free, you're very alcohol free right now. And our spiritual journey is our number one journey. Absolutely. And I've just watched such incredible growth and change in you, which I'm so grateful for. And I know you've seen incredible growth and change in me so that we can sit Mm -hmm. here today and share our story with you all as a happily married couple.
1: I'm trying to find a a little wrapping statement that it, well, first, I guess what just occurred to me is my dad, my my wonderful father who's in his eighties now and uh, has had an incredible life. One of the main things that he's left with me. This legacy was one little statement he said, and it's, it's one you've probably heard, it's it doesn't matter what happens to you it matters how you deal with it.
0: Right.
1: And what I want to say is through that, if you can release the noise and release the resistance and the, and the control and, and find your true self approaching the situation in that more pure and better way, you're going to find the other people are going to come in and through your mm-hmm. experience and the ones that aren't supposed to be there are going to go and find their right. their thing somewhere else right it's like this divine filter i yeah. think
0: i i believe so much that we send out a vibration and and the interesting thing is that leading up to the job that didn't really work out well your vibration was kind of off yeah yeah and I, so I have to you, take a lot of
1: responsibility for my own And stuff. so
0: with clarity and with openness <laughs> even with this you know intense accident it's still working out for its highest good yeah even when it doesn't feel like it thanks for sharing your story with us rich
1: I hope it was somewhat coherent <laughs> as usual. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ours are always interesting. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of this community. Until next time, namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how. Here's your call to action. If you're ready for real interchange, and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. You can also become part of our soul recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month, it's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. Recover your souls on social media, of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect, and there's even a private Facebook group that will allow for more communication and conversation about soul recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday if you are an Apple Podcast subscriber or Patreon member. I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community with me and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review, and to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world. And your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul.